Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Bulls on Tap. I am your boy Buzz, and as always, I'm joined by my dude Goose, aka Bulls Scripted, and we are here with another fantastic episode. We are joined by 670 The Score's own Herb Lawrence, who also hosts the Locked On Sox podcast. We're here today to talk some Bulls, the new front office moves, player personnel, the looming coaching decision that awaits us all. It's going to be a jam-packed episode. It's going to be a fun time, too. So be sure you make it through the whole thing. A little house cleaning before we get into this. Be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Bulls on Tap. Following Goose at Bulls Scripted and following me at Buzz on Tap. So strap back, relax, and get ready for a good episode. Hey everybody, welcome to Bulls on Tap. We are joined by our special guest, Herb Lawrence. Herb was gracious enough to join us again, join me and Goose this time on Bulls on Tap to talk some Bulls basketball. And uh, we're going to jump right in and have a good episode here. We've got a lot of good questions lined up for Herb and we're just going to talk about the current state of the team and I guess the NBA too. So Herb, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Uh, hanging in there, dude. Hanging in there. We got the news today that... Uh, the Bulls will not be making the 22-game playoff, which I think we're all su- – I mean, it sucks we're not going to see Bulls basketball, but at the same time, it, it's it's kind of nice because maybe change will be coming. But uh, I'm, I'm doing well. Other than that, Goose, how are you, man? You know, I feel kind of guilty for talking sports with everything going on in the world right now is it just doesn't feel important. But at the same time, I, I'm extremely excited to hop on with you two and kind of just – Get a half an hour hour escape to just just let the mind think about something a little less stressful than uh, everything that we have going on in the world right now. Oh, absolutely, man! This is uh, exactly what kind of what Herb and Tony Nani and I said on Sunday. It's you know you get to you know sports are that escape for a little bit, and, and you know you get to do it every once in a while, and thankfully we get to do it again tonight. So we'll start off with the first question for you, Herb. Uh, thoughts on oh, I'm gonna butcher it. Our Taurus Karnasovas. I think I did it right. Thoughts on our Taurus, Karnaschorvis, and Mark Eversley, and uh, what do you think that they're going to bring to the table, you know, coming in in this new revamped, new-look Bulls front office? It looked like a great search and a, t- and a hire that was surprisingly great by uh, Jerry Reinsdorf's team. It seems usually they go in-house or just a guy they kind of know, but our Taurus, Karnaschorvis was highly sought after. International bona fides are there a guy that, you know, Lithuania is uh, in love with and everybody around the league knows. And the same thing with Mark Eversley, uh, his experience working with Nike and such and the Philadelphia experience where it was also kind of like what Denver had, what, uh, like a consensus type of uh, front office type of building. Like Elton Brand was a GM, uh, Colangelo before that, but it seemed like Mark was giving opinions and these opinions were taken seriously so this looks like what's going to happen here also i just don't like when john paxson and gar foreman pretty much said you know it's my way or the highway every time they hired a new coach it was like man this guy's the greatest we found a a final gym and then three years later he's pulling ties he's arguing with tibbs he's uh agreeing with jim boylan which is the weirdest part in the world but uh this is finally a team that looks like they're looking up 
for the, I don't know, 14, 15 years that John Paxson was here, the only time they was looking up is when they had that nice core of Rose, Lugal Dang, Joe Noah and such. So I'm very surprised at the hiring. I'm very surprised that they got guys that are highly respected and it looks like the Bulls are in great hands now. I don't know what you guys think about the two, but I'm very happy. I'm not necessarily like a 100% Bulls fan because I don't like live and die with every game, but I care about the Bulls more than I do with any other NBA team. Goose, what's your opinions on it, man? I know we've gotten them before, but I mean, just to reiterate, because it's been a while since we kind of talked about the front office moves, like in, in depth, I guess. No, yeah, it feels like it's almost been over a month since they've decided to make the decision. And with the season being somewhat on hold until finally getting a decision on what's all going to happen today, I feel like we haven't really touched on it. And I'd say the only thing that I would disagree with what Herb said is being the Chicago Bulls, being ultimately realization after the documentary that we watched today the reason why the nba is what it is today because of what michael jordan was able to take this team to um you know coming into the league saying i want to make this team an elite team like the lakers the celtics and he accomplished that and because of that i do feel that this is a position that is coveted by front office executives obviously when there is the lingering, oh, ownership's actually making the decisions and I'm just a puppet overhead, that makes things a little murky. But the way they approached it this go-round, you brought in um, two people that I feel fit great roles. You have somebody who is very knowledgeable about the overseas and the European aspect of the scouting and the drafting and how that league works. And then you have somebody that's been with Nike and a lot of top teams and anybody who comes from a Nike background has connections out the wazoo. So I think uh, the top guys that we have running our franchise right now have the connections, the knowledge. And I also feel that they have the balance between the two of them to be successful. And that's before they start adding people down below them. Cause as a report came out, I forgot who um, published the report. But I read the other day that Jim Boylan was doing PR and personal relations stuff as well as being the coach. So uh, whoever replaces Jim will get to just focus on development in coaching the team. So I'm extremely excited. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited about it. And the, one of the reasons why is because you had a young, exciting team in Philadelphia. We could all agree with that with Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, you know, mm-hmm. Even when they, they they made the trade for Butler and J.J. Reddick, it's just a lot of pieces that seem to fit together. Then, you know, with Eversley being over there, and then you go over into Denver and how exciting that team was, or still is, really. I mean, they're an exciting up-and-coming Western Conference team, and we all know here that the Western Conference is tough. So it, it was really cool to see those guys being able to compete at such a young age as well. I mean, you had a couple veterans here and there, but it was a young team. I'm excited to see what they can bring. Um... I do want to touch on one part, you know, uh, and I know this is kind of off the cuff, Herb. I didn't send this question to you, but it's just kind of something that you had brought up before with, with mm-hmm. John Paxson being there. Now, I've been pretty vocal. I don't know if you'll agree or disagree with me, but I've been pretty vocal where in the past I kind of gave those guys passes because of, like you had mentioned, like the Rose team, and, you know, they were drafting well with Rose, Gibson, Butler, Joe Keem. I mean, they were drafting pretty well. 
Um, even James Johnson, who didn't pan out for the Bulls in 20, you know, 2009, 2010, when then he was ultimately moved to Toronto, he ended up being a, a role player on some teams. Um, but I guess my main point here is, is do you, even though Paxson remains in form and is gone, I'm still skeptical. And I, I don't know if that's the Chicago sports fan in me, and I don't mean to sound that way, but I'm still skeptical that he's in that front office. And I think that he with the respect that he has through Jerry, and this is something we touched on on Socks on Tap, the loyalty of Jerry Reinsdorf. Do you think that John Paxson's opinion can affect Jerry in a way where this Boylan thing, I mean, we could spin it into that too with, you know, them wanting to retain Boylan. Paxson's a big supporter, and so and so is Jerry and Michael, from what I've read, Michael Reinsdorf. So um, do you think Paxson involves or in you know, gets into that at all, or do you think that he's just going to do his special advisor role and just try to help out where and when he can? I think initially he's going to try to do some things. He's going to try to advise Arturis Karnaschovas on what he thinks is the best way forward for the Bulls. But what I want our AK to do is to shut that down immediately. It's like, yeah, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate your opinion. And you know what? If I need it, I'll ask for it. But this regard, I'm firing Jim Boylan, and I'm doing my own thing. I'm the director of basketball ops. Go up there, collect your check. You've done great job, a great job for this organization, and no one will ever forget that. But we need to move in a different direction, and it's Arturis Kornishovic's time and no one else. Me and Mark and the team of uh, VPs that I've assembled, need to do our job and your time is over. I appreciate your help. Just kind of like what Boylan did, I think during the season to um, Doug Collins, where Doug was giving his advice and Boylan was like, no, I'm the head coach now. So I appreciate your advice, but uh, please don't be in these meetings anymore. I want that to happen with our tourists to show his authority, make sure that he, John Paxson, Michael Reinsdorf and Jerry Reinsdorf know that, He's the man in charge because he will be, uh, if they start losing, he will be in charge of all that winning and losing. The next coach hiring, it's on our tourists and it's on Mark Eversley. So uh, to parallel this with the Bears, when they hired uh, Pace, they handcuffed him with John Fox. And I still tell everybody, every time that John Fox is brought up, it's like, that is Pace's fault. If he didn't want that guy, he shouldn't have taken the job. And so if you are the guy, you're the, the head honcho, the buck stops with you. So make sure that you're doing the things that you want to do. So when it comes all down, it's going to be either you're winning or you're losing because they're going to count it against you when it's over. They're not going to say John Paxson told you to do it. You don't have to listen to John Paxson anymore. And if those two don't listen, Michael Reinsdorf and Jerry Reinsdorf don't listen, screw them. You just got to do your own thing now. So I would love for our tourist to put his foot down early. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of hoping for, too. And the parallel that you just put out there, I never thought about it that way. I never thought about the John Fox, Ryan Pace connection. Um, you know, when you come into a new job and you're titled what he is titled, the vice president of back basketball operations, I mean, that that's the title. And, mm-hmm. you know, and being respectful and saying, hey, John, I appreciate what you're saying, but I need to I need to do this my way because it could come off as if he doesn't and say he's over under, which I don't really get from him from I haven't dealt with him. I know I know he's done some interviews and stuff like that. I watched the one he did with KC and he seems to be very strong minded, which mm-hmm. is a, which is a good thing. I think that's what we need, you know, uh, as a franchise. And I, I think that he'll move in the right direction. I just 
in the back of my head, man, and I, I, I could be wrong, but I, I'm just a little bit weary. And I think it's I think it's fair. Like you had brought up before, like you know, Paxson being over overzealous and just over demanding of his coaches. I mean, choke. I mean, goddamn, he choked out Vinny Del Negro from what I read. I don't know if it's true, but I mean, that's what you read, you know. You, and you know the fights that he got into with Tom Thibodeau. That was widely reported. That was on six seventy. That was on every platform out there that they were mm-hmm. button heads, you know, and. uh it's just something that makes me a little nervous, but maybe with time comes wisdom, and hopefully he doesn't go that route. Goose, I want to get your opinion on it before we move into another off the... I should have wrote this down in the questionnaire, man. I can't believe I didn't put the coaching thing in there, but uh, I want to get your opinion on it, and then we'll move into uh, a couple head coaches that we're all looking at. Um, I would like to point out something that Herb mentioned when he said that Boylan was allowed to remove Doug Collins, who was in a senior advisor role, from practices. I think that's very important to note here, as if one of the lowest paid coaches in the first full season of his tenure has the authority to remove an advisor from any setting that he is in if he feels they're imposing in the wrong way, I'm hoping that is the same level of input that John Paxson has. Obviously, to this point, this current roster has been built by John Paxson, retaining one of Gar or John, which if I had a choice, it would be John. At least he's got a legacy here in Chicago and has a, you know, kind of something to argue why he should have a say in what um, goes on. I think he's just here to lean on. I think he's here for our turns to call up and go, hey, you've spent more time with so-and-so than I have. From what you've gathered, are they someone that I should consider re-signing? Is their work ethic there? You've seen it for multiple years. I've seen it for half of a year. I just want to tap your brain on what's their work ethic like? What's their character like? Uh, where's the best place to eat in Chicago? Those are the kind of questions <laughs> that I am hoping – Pax is relaying because personally, I feel all these reports of, oh, Pax really wants Boylan to stay. The Reinsdorfs really would like to see Boylan get a fair shot. I think that's that's ownership setting this up on a tee for the new management to knock it out of the park and win over the fan base and win over the players. No, they're. In no situation, Jim could have been 10 times worse than he was, and that's hard to fucking do. But if he was able to accomplish that, they would still not come out in the public and say, we were complete idiots. Yes, this guy has championship rings as a defensive assistant, but he sucks as a head coach. That's not something they'd ever say to the public. Um, I think when the situation is obvious as it is, that Jim Boylan's moving on, even if he thinks his time clock is staying in the Advocate Center, you're just putting it on a tee for them to hit out of the park and win everybody over on the right foot to start, and I think it comes sooner than later. Well, that's a good way to look at it. I mean, you know, that's definitely a good way to look at it. You know, them trying to spin something to get the fan base's loyalty back after our tourists and, and Mark Eversley and J.J. Polk and those guys you know, land a, a head, their head coaching, ideal head coaching candidate. Now, there's a, there's three names I want to throw out there, and if you guys have any other ones, just let me know. I've been doing a lot of research lately just looking at certain different topics and different guys, and I've come across Kenny Atkinson, I've come across Dave Yeager, and I've come across Adrian Griffin. And 
I'm weary of the rookie head coach because I think the last, oh God, is it five Bulls head coaches have been rookie head coaches. Um, that is why I was kind of weary about Adrian Griffin because I was like, man, I kind of want to bring someone experienced in here. But then I started really doing some digging on Adrian Griffin. And I know he was a part of our, our uh, bench coach team for a while there. He played for the Bulls as well. Um, but seeing everything that I've seen on him and, and, and his relationship with AK, I think he's now moved into my ideal candidate. I'd, I'd really like to see Adrian Griffin. I would not be mad about Dave Yeager. Kenny Atkinson, I don't want to take that C-Red Fred approach and, and say he sucks because I don't <laughs> I don't think he sucks. I think he did pretty good with a young team, but you know how Fred gets. Um, but I, I think it's down between Adrian Griffin and Dave Yeager. And gun to my head. I've seen things with Dave Yeager getting into it with multiple front offices and having the relationship that I've read that Arturis and Adrian Griffin have, and I believe Mark Coversley and Adrian Griffin have a little bit of a history together as well. I, uh, I think that's my pick of a head coach that I want because they understand each other. They know how each other work. And I just think it would be a good marriage there where, you know, they can really help build and, you know, not to, not to sound cheesy here, but they can grow together. You know, the, you know, whatever the Bulls slogan was, grow with us last year. You know, I think they can grow together and help a young team succeed. So, uh, you know, Herb, I don't know who you've been looking at, if you've, if you've noticed anybody out there, but those are the three that I've been kind of kicking around. Well, I'm a big-time Adrian Griffin guy because his son, Allen, played at the University of Illinois, just recently transferred to Syracuse. And his other son is a big-time prospect for Duke this upcoming year. And like you said, he was an assistant coach with the Bulls back here. He's got championship pedigree out there in Toronto. I think he would fit perfectly here um, with this young core. And as far as recruiting people, too, he, this team of front office guys and this young coach like Adrian Griffin, not that young, but young enough, could have some impact on people wanting to play here. He's, he seems like a player's coach a guy with a good head on his shoulders. So if they got to Adrian Griffin, who seems like the odds on favor right now, I wouldn't be mad. My second guy, weirdly enough, is Kenny Atkinson. I would want him because I saw what he did with that Brooklyn team. I saw what he did with Spencer Dinwiddie, a yeah, guy that fantastic. was here with the Bulls. That man is an actual NBA player. Um, I was surprised that he turned out so decently. And he only got railroaded by uh, Coach Killer. Of course, Kyrie Irving and uh, Kevin Durant out there in the Brooklyn Nets. They just wanted to have a different different look, which is fine. They, they right. can have their own guy out there. But if they ended up on Kenny Atkinson, I wouldn't be too mad. Dave Yeager, I've only heard um, that was the guy who was out in Sacramento, too, and it kind of got railroaded, a uh, team that was decently good, and then they fired him. Is that the guy I'm thinking about? Yeah, Dave, so Dave Yeager coached right towards the end when Memphis was kicking ass with Marcus All, Zebo, Mike Conley. He mm-hmm. was coaching there. And then they, you know, they 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 were getting old. We all know that in you know in the in like 2014, 2015, they were getting old and the teams kind of started falling apart, you know. Um, and then he went over to Sacramento and he had a young team over there, you know, led by De'Aaron Fox. He had uh, Bogdanovich over there, uh I think he had Bagley that first year. I know Bagley didn't play a lot, but he had Bagley that Bagley's, first year. Yeah. Bagley's ultimately why he got fired. Is that why? Is is that why? Yeah, no, and this will tie into my opinion on the topic. Um, Adrian Griffin, my only fear with that signing is that we're we're just getting away from Bulls ties just to U-turn back to, he was an assistant <laughs> coach here. He played here. Fantastic. We know him. 
that's that's my only fear there. Um, outside of that, from everything that I've read um, in my research, says that he is overly prepared to be a head coach, and he is just waiting for the opportunity. Yeah, I think so, it makes me feel a little bit better. Like I, I, I totally respect your point where you're saying, like, yo, man, hey, you know, we're trying to get away from that that former bull mantra you know we, we don't I want just that hate but to be a it... hypocrite man like, well yeah but it's a new front office like, it's I'm, a new I'm look just, i'm i'm too honest I, I can't turn around and just finally have come around the corner of all right we need to move away from bulls ties and just jump back into hire that guy that was a coach here and also played here and it, uh, that said everything i've read he is overly prepared i would by no means be upset with that hiring um, but yes, ultimately Jaeger was fired from the Sacramento Kings because he was focused on winning, right. which was holding back Marvin Bagley's development. And they were about to make the playoffs and the Kings were like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this is ahead of schedule, man. Get the hell out of here. You don't want to <laughs> listen to us go. And in terms of Kenny Atkinson, if you look at the Brooklyn Nets, if you're the Chicago Bulls, that is, that's what you want. You <laughs> want to build a young culture that is appealing to top free agents like Kyrie and KD. Whether that's like, hey, we're going to trade them as soon as we get here because they have value and they don't fit what we want, or whatever that may be, you need to make your situation appealing. And that was something Kenny Atkinson did and inevitably ended up being his downfall in Brooklyn because they got the superstars and they're like, nah, this guy wants too much control. I want Ty Lu back here. I want to <laughs> drop my towel on his head and tell him what play I'm running because this ain't how we're going to run it. Hello? Hello? Buzz? But reading everything. Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. I'm, co- I'm going off the phone, you know. The phone is just it, – it's the Wi-Fi, man. It's the Wi-Fi. But I, I, <laughs> I, I totally agree with, uh, with what you're saying about Atkinson. He built a winning culture over there. Um, you know, he attract, I mean, Brooklyn was a, an attractive destination, you know, I mean, New York, I mean, I, God forbid no one's going to the Knicks. We, we, we know that they're, they're even worse than the bulls are. Um, but with that being said, it's Adrian Griffin is just, I, I know the bulls tie thing, but with a new look front office and if, and if he's on AK's radar, I, I've literally, I've just put all my trust into AK as much as I could be worried about Paxson having to say so here and there, whatever the case may be. I just, if they come away with any of those three guys, I'm chalking that up as a W. I think all those guys are more than ready. I think they're all qualified, and it, it's going to come down to Mark Eversley and, and, and AK to, to make the decision on it. And uh, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what happens. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I, today, once I saw the Bulls were not going to be in the 22-game playoff, um, I got happy and sad at the same time. I got sad because I swear to God, if we get seven again, guys, I'm, I'm going to get I'm going to get four consecutive seven tattoos on me. I don't care. It's just whatever, man. It's got it's going to have to be good luck. We're going to have to strike gold somewhere, um, you know. But it's just uh, that was the reason I was like a little upset. But the reason I was happy, I wrote an article that's already in the chamber. It's in the drafts on, on the site that Jim Boylan's been let go because <laughs> I know it's happening. I, I know it's happening. There's no way they retain him. If they do, I'd be shocked. I already renewed my tickets for next year, and I'm I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to support the team. I love them. I, I can't help it. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where they go with it. But all the candidates I think that we brought up right now are definitely more than qualified. And anybody listening to this wants to throw in candidates that we might have missed out on, just let us know by tweeting at us at Bulls on Tap. And, uh, 
and, and letting us know that. Um, Herb, i got another question for you here. Is anyone on the roster, in your eyes, untouchable right now? Absolutely not. There's no champion players on this team. Zach Levine, at his best, is probably a number two on a really good team. So if – and he's like, what, is 25? Yeah, it would be a great trade bait if somebody else wants to use him as a two or three on their playoff roster team. But – yeah, there's no untouchables on this team. I, I like to build off of what uh, that rookie and year of Laurie Markin looked promising. He's been struggling ever since, and I will just give him the out of he had bad coaching, and hopefully we have people in charge now that can develop his talent because that guy is a beast when he wants to be. That first game of the year when he dominated down in Charlotte, I was like, here we go. Here's Lori Markin, and let's go. We're going to have a great year out of him. And then ever since then, he's been off, been pretty awful. So, no, there's not a guy that I would say is untouchable um, on this team right now. Yeah, I can agree with that. I, I mean, I like Zach. I, and I, I, a lot of players around the league and uh, media, I'm sure you've seen it on, on First Take or on uh, – what's the other one on Fox, Undisputed? I, I don't watch it often, but they talked about – they talked about Zach. They had people talk about Zach on there, and they just say his work ethic is second to none. So, you know, me being the homer that I am, I want to believe mm-hmm. that he can be that guy. But I, I've, I've tweeted it out before, and I'm standing my ground. I don't think he's I don't think he's a 1A. I definitely think that you need a, you need a star player, somebody who can butt into one. Um, as far as Lowry goes, you know, because that was another question. We might as well get into this, too. This can all just kind of absorb into the same question. Uh, Lowry's rookie year, you're absolutely right, was fantastic. I think that Fred, I mean, you know, don't get mad at me here, but I think that Fred Hoiberg actually used him decently. I think that Fred Hoiberg knew how to kind of run him. Um, under Jim, it, it, it just wasn't that way. And on that podcast that he went on in Finland, um, wow, don't make fun of Finland's a country. Right, <laughs> <laughs> that's a country. I'm I'm so bad at that. Yeah, it's Finnish. Finnish. It, it was the the podcast was in Finnish. It was in Finland. Um, he he had said that the the touches, like I guess he was going over stats or something like that. What wherever it may came from, but he he went from 80 touches down to 40 touches a game. When you want him to be a focal point in your offense, that that can't happen, and you can't just put him in the corner. Lowry's best off the move. He's not even best posting up. He's best off the dribble. You get him moving off of screens. That's how you use Lowry Markin. And then you don't make him a primary three-point shooter, but he can step out and he can hit it. That's what needs to happen. So I chalk that up to his bad coaching with him. Um, not to say he's untradeable in my mind because I, I, I do agree with you. It's not like we have a, a Kevin Durant or a LeBron James or a Kawhi Leonard or you know uh, any anybody like that on this roster right now. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious to see how AK goes about everything. And, uh, Goose, I'll give you the floor for the untouchable uh, topic here. Well, I'll lead off with Lowry. Do I think Lowry Markkinen is untouchable? No. At his current value, yes. There should not be any consideration of moving him. He just had his worst season, which, well, as a Bulls fan and as a homer, I have to hope is related to the oblique injury that he played through and the ankle injury that he played through, as well as Jim Boylan somehow deciding after a 35.17 rebound opener um, on a poor three-point shooting night. He was one for seven. Uh, He was 13 for 25 on the night, still shot over 50%. (laughs) Pulled down 17 rebounds in the first game. 
how in the next 20 games does Lowry Markkinen take over 12 shots two times? Yeah. Three, three times. Three times. So unless the oblique injury is why the game plan changed and they stopped going to him and they went away from him, you're coming into the season, Lowry Markkinen was ranked 14th, tied with D'Angelo Russell. For top 25, mm. under 25. Your first game of the season, you go 13 for 25 from the floor with 35 and 17. 35 and 17. And you don't get 15 shots again until your 23rd game. How does that happen? Yeah, I that, can't. Um, <laughs> it's boiling, bro. I don't know. <laughs> so I- I'm going to leave that there. Um, Wendell Carter Jr. was literally drafted to compliment Lowry Markkinen. That's how confident we were in Lowry Markkinen going into the Wendell draft. After that season, he had a better year this year. Yeah, boiling. Um, Zach Levine. Oh, I, I know, I know you love Zach, I, and I do too. Oh, but I it, love Zach, and I hate this topic. I feel like we're at Jimmy Butler all over again, except Zach isn't two-way player. Zach's never been on a playoff team, and to Zach's credit, part of that's because he's never had a coach. Boylan has coached Zach Levine longer than any coach Zach Levine has had in his career. That's a damn tragedy. That's amazing. That's a tragedy. Can you think of all that talent? Let's just take a step back here. Can you think of all that talent that was over there on that Minnesota squad? And and, and Tibbs couldn't figure it out, and God rest his soul, I believe Flip was Zach's first coach, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. It went, it went Flip to Mitchell, All to right. Fitz, to Hoiberg, to Boylan. So he, I don't believe, has even had a coach for one full legitimate NBA season without an injury in that season. So Zach needs coaching. And I, I, I hate the topic because the way his contract stands – Zach Levine is never going to be a more valuable player than he is right now. Because if you extend him, you give him a max contract. Then, one, you have to match that salary to be able to trade him. And his value comes down. Right now, his value is at the highest on a $19 million contract per year for the next two years. Going into this offseason where you do not have many big names that are going to swing things one way or another for these top contenders, a contract like Zach Levine's is something that you can trade for reasonably because it's under $20 million. And if you're the Bulls with a new front office, you have to wonder, are they going to push heavy for contention out the gate? Do they believe in Zach Levine that much as your number one option currently? Or... With two years left and unrestricted free agency coming up, do you look to trade him at his highest value and almost reset your timetable as a new front office around Kobe White, who might be a shooting guard and not a point guard? Maybe he fills Zach's spot. That is that is my concern there. Um, but I'm already ranting, so I'll, I'll leave it there. Oh, you weren't ranting at all. You made a lot of good points. I mean, it's just that. It's a rock and a hard place. Again, the homer in me, I want to see him under good coaching, but at the same time, too, I don't want to 
I don't want to call for anybody's heads if he is moved because I want to trust, you know, Joel Embiid here, trust the process and see what the new front office can actually do. Um, it, it's definitely, it's definitely going to be interesting. I haven't been this excited for a Bulls off season in a long while. I was excited going into last year, but I always had those doubts, um, you know, which you and I had talked about at the open practice that we attended at the UC. Um, I, I've always been kind of, you know, weary, but right now I have a sense of, you know, uh, I, I guess happiness because I'm like, okay, man, I can't, it's, it's kind of like watching WWF, man. I can call what's going on before it happens usually with the Bulls front office, but this time I can't. I don't know where they're going to go. So it's definitely super interesting. Um, moving into another question here, Herb, kind of getting off the current stuff. I want you to name your all-time Chicago Bulls starting lineup. I know that's rough. There's a lot. We've had a lot of good okay. players run through here. Um, but what's your all-time Bulls starting lineup? Well, we got to start with D. Rose, of course, at point guard, number one. Um, of course, number 23 at shooting guard and – uh, we're going to go with Scottie Pippen as small forward. Power forward. This is the tr- tough one. I don't know if I go with uh, – Artis Gilmore is more of a center. Uh, Horace was pretty good. Dennis pretty good. Um, I'm going to – I don't know if I'm allowed to list him as a power forward, but I'm going to go with Joakim Noah. i got enough scoring. And so I'm going to go with Joakim Noah there and go with Artis Gilmore as our center. That's that's actually a very good defensive cent, uh, power forward center duo, and artists could score back in the day. So I mean, that's mm-hmm. a, I haven't heard that actual uh, all time. We've done the, a couple of these. I think when we asked Kevin last week, he gave us his. That, that's a pretty good one. Goose, you got one. Uh, I'm gonna go modern era influence, and I think one and two are unanimous for Bulls fans. Derrick Rose, Michael Jordan. I am actually going to go Jimmy Butler number three with Scottie Pippen as my power forward and Joakim Noah as my center. I think is at least the modern NBA is considered that is a lineup that would terrorize everybody. You have an extremely volatile defensive lineup and unlimited scoring potential. Yes. that's my five. That's a pretty good one, man. So I'm going to go Kirk Heinrich. Okay, I'm, I'm joking. Don't, don't. Do <laughs> I, 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 knew literally, I literally stood up out of my chair. I was ready to walk to the kitchen. Uh, can, 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 he, to the kitchen. can he be my sixth man? <laughs> my, 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 yeah, so I'm going to go. I'm definitely going. And Gordon's still taking that, but if you insist. Hey, this is my damn list. No, I, I'm, I'm, definitely go, I'm definitely going D-Rose, man. Obviously, MJ. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm actually gonna go Jimmy and Pip. I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of doing what you're doing. I, I think we mirrored each other, which is kind of insane because I I, was, I know, man. I God, you know what? Fine, screw you. I'm taking Scotty at the three. I'm taking Horace at the four because I think Horace was a great scorer. He was a pretty decent rebounder too. He had a great back to the basket game. I like Horace Grant a lot, so I'm, I want to be different. That's fair. I want to be different. And then I'm gonna take Joe Keem just because Homerism. I love Joe Keem. He was an MVP candidate at one time. Defensive player of the year, great, you know, great player. My dad, I asked my dad this question, uh, and he told me that Artis Gilmore would wipe the floor with him, and I just told him that I wasn't, uh, wasn't around for that time, so I can't really comment on that. Not that I haven't watched film or look at stats or whatever, but you know, I, I, I just, I think that Joe Kim Noah is probably, arguably, one of the best power forward centers that we've, we've ever had here in Chicago. Uh, Herb, how did you become a Bulls fan, my man? Well, um, let's see, I. 41 now so i luckily got to watch 
all the Bulls dynasty coming up. So 89, I remember them losing to the night. Is 89? Yeah, they losing to the Pistons and being destroyed because I remember the narrative around that was that Scottie Pippen is soft. 89-90, Scottie Pippen is soft. He couldn't take it. He couldn't hack it with uh, with the uh, migraine headaches. He really lost this game. Bulls need to maybe go and look at for another guy that's a number two instead of Scotty. And so my sister, my middle sister, was a huge Scotty Pippen fan. So naturally, I'm going to be against him because, you know, she, whatever she likes, I got to dislike. <laughs> that's cold, um, man. <laughs> I mean, I mean, with all the, you know, they play music like I hated Madonna for a long time. Same thing. But eventually, you know, I came around to her ways of, OK, yeah, Scotty's pretty good after uh, what the 90, 91 season. Of course, that series was turned around by Scotty Pippen when he went on to Magic Johnson, and guarded him games two through five and shut him down for the most part. So, yeah, that's when I started being a Bulls fan and uh I realized that I'm not necessarily a fan fan after Jordan left, you know, because I couldn't take the Cornell Davids and the uh, Rusty LaRue's and all the extra people, Corey Benjamin guys. And I was like, I wasn't like invested every day in what the Bulls are doing. You know, I liked I liked Jalen Rose as a person, um, but as a player, as a lead guy for the Bulls, it didn't work. Ron Mercer, same thing. So I've, you know, re-sparked my love for the Bulls when Derek and the core came in. And you guys mentioned Ben Gordon. Man, those times, Ben hitting big shots, grabbing his nuts, you know, acting like he's a <laughs> has big ass nuts. Those <laughs> great times. I, I mean, I, I'm so pissed that Ben Gordon didn't turn out to be a, a better player. And I've seen subsequently his uh, struggles with mental health. And I'm glad that he's getting help on that front. But yeah, that's how I started becoming a Bulls fan, and I'm hoping to be more of an engaged fan and caring every day if they win or lose type of thing. Right. I mean, you know, you you just did some name drops there, man, like Corey Benjamin and Ron Mercer. You guys remember the Marcus Pfizer days and, and Eddie, oh, Eddie Robinson? Oh, my God. Oh, e. Robbery. Terrible. Yeah, dude. I mean, he, you know, I, I think I had put that, uh, I put out a tweet a couple weeks ago, um, just, you know, it's quarantine, man, and you're just trying to, trying to talk to people about sports when really nothing was going on. I put like, what's the most embarrassing, you know, Chicago or unique, embarrassing slash unique Chicago sports Jersey you own. And a lot of people were coming with some different crazy stuff. And I have an Eddie Robinson Jersey and I, I still have it and I, it doesn't really fit anymore, but I can give it a shot. But, uh, I, I thought he was so – when he first came over, if you remember, because I believe he was with Charlotte, if I'm not mistaken, before he came to the Bulls. It was either before – I can't remember, but I just remember he would fly through the air, man. Dude could jump, and he – I mean, just ferocious dunks. And I thought, oh, man, he's really good. And you know, I'm a young dude and you know, the early 2000s. I, was, I think I was like fifth, sixth grade, and uh, he, he was – you know, he was here doing his thing. But I think I got like I really fell in love with the team, and I know Goose, you know Keith loves to bust my balls about this all the time, but uh, I fell in love with the team in 2002 when they drafted Jay Williams with the second pick to Yao Ming, um, mm. and then unfortunately Jay got hurt. You know he had that that horrible motorcycle accident. Thank God he's okay, and thank God he's you know doing his thing, you know covering the NBA in college, and he's still able to be around the sport. But uh, the next year they drafted Kirk with the seventh pick out of Kansas, and that's when I was kind of starting to get into. NCAA basketball and really 
checking that out. My dad's a huge Illini fan, just like you know, just like you, Herb. And that's when you know, every time you tweet something out about the Illini, I've I've become super super engaged just from a young age with the Illini, with whether it's basketball or football. Um, but I, I fell in love with that that pick, and then the next year is when Lou Aldang was traded for from Phoenix, and we we had drafted Ben Gordon out of UConn. And my God, I know they didn't uh, win the championship and they didn't amount to what I'm sure a lot of people wanted them to amount to, but those teams were exciting. And I think that that was a great transition of having those couple exciting teams, 0405, 06. And then, you know, you have a bad year and then you, and you luck into Derek Rose and the draft lottery. I mean, that just brought everything together and, uh, you know, bringing up BG too, man. Oh God. Could you imagine if he was our shooting guard in, in, in 2010, 2011, when Derek won the MVP and it wasn't Keith Bogans? <laughs> I wonder yeah, if we would have yeah. won. I really think we could have. I mean, shots would have been hit. Yep, you're absolutely right, man. And and Goose, I know we had your your answer and my answer last week on how you know I became a fan and you became a fan. So we'll get into the last one that I got for you today here, Herb, for Bulls on Tap, and that's uh, the favorite game that you have attended in person. Cool. Okay, I went. Um, Mitch uh, Rosen happened to give us some great tickets. This was a couple of years ago before the score had the Bulls on their station. I don't know how he got them, but they were pretty much right behind the basket. Um, it was Bulls versus Nets. And uh, I was there, of course, more to see the Bulls, but at that time the Nets had a young guard named Darren Williams who was still at the top of his game. He wasn't as fat as he turned out to be in lazy <laughs> in, the, in the late New York, New Jersey Nets times, but – the Bulls pretty much took it to the Nets that day, but Darren had a pretty decent game, so I was, you know, half cheering for every Bulls basket, and whenever Darren would do something nice, I would be like, oh, yeah, that's Illini. I was like, I-L-L, I-N-I type of thing. But, yeah, it was good to see, you know, nowadays you don't see that many Illini in the league, so it's all in Miami, like with Myers Leonard and Kendrick Nunn. So at that time, I think, Dar- uh, let's see, Darren was probably the only guy then. Um, it was, I forgot what year it was, but yeah, Darren was still a top point guard. I remember arguing with my friends at the time that uh, Darren's much better than Chris Paul, and definitely I've lost that that argument subsequently. I know I lost that argument at that time too, but at but least was, I had an argument at that time. That was a fair argument for a long time when he was in Utah and who the best point guard in the league was. I mean, Goose, you have I mean, I'm sure you know that too. That was a huge argument between who was the best PG in the league. It was was it CP3 or was it Darren Williams? And I mean, there's an argument to be made for both of them. I don't I want to get your thoughts on that real quick, Goose, cuz I don't think we've ever talked about that. Darren, oh, man, you're going I don't I, I was probably too young to have a legitimate opinion. I was probably one of those little shits on Twitter. Motherfucker, that, you're not that much time. younger than me. Come on, I'm 28. Uh, yeah, but you're talking in their prime? That's man, I was still a kid in school. I didn't have an inkling of what the hell was going on with anything. I picked up a game here and there. Um, I probably paid more attention to the Bulls when I was younger than that. I was doing dumb shit at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I, um, I, I, I never. I, you made me feel old right now, bro. That ain't cool. That's rough. I mean, I'm, a, I'm about to turn 27. Like you said, you're not that much older than me. I just during that point in time, Darren Williams. I paid more attention when he was with the Illini than I cared when he was in the NBA. 
Yeah, that's fair. Um, that Illini team was so badass. James Augustine, Luke. Oh, no, what the hell happened to D Brown, man? D Brown. Well, D Brown. D Brown. If I'm not mistaken, D Brown is a coach at the University of Illinois Chicago. I think I'm right on that. That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so because I know he got drafted and he was just too small. I he think couldn't pull, did he get he, drafted? He pull the Iverson off. He did. Yeah, he got in the second round. Okay. Uh, he played, played I had for his Utah rookie for a card. Bit. That 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 was kind of for me how I kept track of things as a kid. I collected basketball cards my whole life, so that rookie class, I was all on top of that. I knew who came out every year. Um, but no, I honestly I don't have an honest opinion. Um, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry today. to throw you under the bus like that. I didn't realize we had a, we had a youngin in the room here. I'm not, not a youngin. I'm just paying attention to other shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, uh, that's all I got for the uh, for Bulls on Tap today. Everybody, please, if you're not already, I'm sure you already are if you're listening to this. But if you're not already, please go follow Herb on Twitter and check out 670 The Score and check out Locked On White Sox if you dig baseball. He does a great White Sox podcast over there with Tanny. It's definitely a great listen and worth your time to download. Herb, you got anything else for the people? Nothing else. I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, yeah, this is a great time. It's always talking sports is a fun time and. I think we're all in agreement that this Bulls team is on its way up and the the uh, excitement for Bulls fans is at a level that hasn't been there since the Derrick Rose times. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. And uh, Everybody, be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter here at Bulls on Tap at Ontap Sportsnet. We'll be back next week with uh, special guest Tony Gill. Tony Gill, a former 670 guy who's now working for NBC Sports Chicago. He'll be joining us next week, uh, talk some Bulls basketball. And yeah, so. Can I ask you to ask Tony about his thoughts on Michael Red and Reggie Miller? I'm writing it down. I swear to God, I'm writing it down right now so I don't forget. I'm putting it right next to you. You will not be disappointed. So, Michael Red and who was the other one? Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller. I am so excited. Chicken Scratcher Miller. Oh, man, I'm very excited. <laughs> By your tone, Herb, I'm thinking that we're going to get a heated answer here, so I'm, I'm, ex- oh, I'm excited. It's it's it's, uh, it's so quintessential Tony. I can't wait. I can't wait. You know, I actually, I, I know we're just leading out, but I, I got to meet Tony at uh, the United Center. He was, um, Shane was there, and Shane was just uh, the week before um, you were on Socks on Tap, Shane was on with us. And, you know, him and I were talking and stuff, and uh, I met actually met him and Tony at the same time at the United Center. Uh, they were doing something for 670 there, and Tony was just, he couldn't be a nicer dude to go up to. Him and Goff are, like, yeah. seriously the nicest dudes you could just walk up to, and Shane as well. Nicest dudes you could walk up to, be like, hey, man, how you doing? I mean, Shane even drank a beer with me. You know, I mean, it's just super good dudes. I'm, I'm very, very excited. I'm, I'm hoping to get Goff on here one day because he, he's got a great basketball mind and what he's doing over on the, on the pre and post game show on NBC Sports Chicago. He, he's great, man. I, I, I love to see him on TV every week. If there's a dude that deserves it, it's definitely him. He's a good, he's a good guy. Definitely, definitely. You'll enjoy your time with Tony. He's a he's a unique personality, let's say that. Can't wait, man. So, again, everybody be sure to check out ontapsportsnet.com, and we'll be back next week with special guest Tony Gill. Herb, thank you again for pulling double duty. And, uh, yeah, see you guys next week. <laughs>